Would you pray with me as we begin? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with your commands and commands us to be engaged and engrossed in the words of Torah. Amen. What a joy it was to see all the children and some of the adults participating in the rolling back of the Torah scroll and to bring us to that place in Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which in the scroll, of course, is just the beginning. It's not marked. But when we think of what it says, it should remind us that every disciple should know something about the origins of the physical universe. Even those who are not scientists should know. And this is one of the reasons why the whole Torah begins in Genesis with these marvelous words. Barashit bara Elohim et hashemayim et haaretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's practice this today. So you repeat after me. Barashit bara Elohim et hashemayim you're doing really well. Your Hebrew is good. Let's see how your English is. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Excellent. Your English isn't bad today, too. Sometimes in Florida, it's a little bit iffy. But your Hebrew is doing pretty well. I, I want to read to you just an introductory paragraph from a marvelous book written by Umberto Casuto, a great Jewish scholar and also a, a, a great rabbi. He was born in Italy. He was, if I remember right, the chief rabbi of Florence for some time. He moved to Israel and became a professor at Hebrew University and wrote in Hebrew. I'm reading from a book of his called A Commentary on the Book of Genesis, Part 1, from Adam to Noah, and he wrote this book in 1944 in Hebrew, and it was 1961 when it was first translated, and I have a 1989 uh, update revision. A marvelous book. Umberto Casuto is uh, relatively unknown in the Christian world. He's relatively unknown in the Messianic world. He's actually relatively unknown, but he is a marvelous scholar, um, he, he has passed away, and he starts his book with an explanation of what the creation story of Genesis 1 is all about. I want to read to you just from the introductory first paragraph. He says, the purpose of the Torah in this section is to teach us that the whole world and all that it contains were created by the word of the one God, according to his will, which operates without restraint. What a beautiful, simple declaration. And then he says this, it is thus opposed to the concepts current among the peoples of the ancient East who were Israel's neighbors. And in some respects, it is also in conflict with certain ideas that had already found their way into the ranks of our people. The language, however, is tranquil. Say that word with me, tranquil. It's undisturbed by polemic and dispute. I love that. Umberto Casuto is marvelous. You have to read him slowly and carefully. I hope next year we'll have a special class when we come to Genesis again at Simchat Torah, special class where we can read together and study together uh, from the writings of Umberto Casuto. 
Uh, it will be hard, but it will be worth it. He, he captures the essence and some of the most important qualities of the Hebrew that are unfamiliar to many people. He, is a, he was a groundbreaking scholar who learned things about Hebrew, discovered ancient Hebrew, was able to compare all the languages of the ancient Middle East, and he drew conclusions that have tremendous importance and value to us today. This statement that he makes, that you and I are to understand what Genesis 1-1 is all about, is so important that God, by his word, spoke and brought the universe into existence. He created the universe, and he did so without any restraint. Nothing hindered him. As you read Casuto, you'll see he compares the creation account of Genesis with how people in the ancient world saw the creation. Many of them thought that there was a battle of these gods. The Romans thought that, the Greeks, the Norse thought there were many gods at war with each other, and that's where you get thunderstorms. And that's, there were the gods of the sea, and the gods of the cloud, and the sun god, and the many, many different gods like that. And the Torah stands quietly in opposition to that and says it was the one God who created everything. It uses, in the very beginning, it uses a Hebrew word, bara, which is almost exclusively reserved for the creative power that is unique to God, the ability to create out of nothing or the ability to take raw material that is nothing like what is being created. And it says that God created the heavens and the earth in this fashion. Well, this morning we've got just a few minutes. We're going to do something a little different. We did it last night. It was wonderful. We are going to join together. We're going to speak aloud together from Torah, from the prophets, from the writings, from the Tanakh. And also from Habrita Harashah, the writings of the New Covenant. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call out the citation. I want you to repeat it. Whatever I say, you can say. And I'm just, except when I'm talking off the cuff. <laughs> but when we do the scriptures, we'll, we'll say where they came from. And then we'll say them by, I'll, I'll say a portion, you'll repeat it. And then we'll close with the citation. Let's practice with one. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Now, if you did that correctly, pat yourself on the back and shake the hand of the person next to you. Okay, we're going to keep going because we want to use this day to rejoice in Torah. You know, Simcha Torah actually was earlier in the week, but one day was not enough for us. We've stretched it out through the week, and we dedicated the rest of this week, to last night, today, to rejoicing, to finding joy in God's Torah. And we're going to continue. The Word of God is active and alive. It's powerful today. Let's speak the Word of God strongly ourselves so that we can better benefit from the word. You may want to take notes. You can just write down the citation. You may want to get the podcast and listen. And I encourage you, every scripture that touches your heart, 
go look up. And then write longhand, not just with your computer, write longhand the scripture out. If you're a digital person, then type it out. But I want you to practice something else, speaking it like we're speaking. Because when you speak it, you know what? It goes into you. As it's coming out of you, it goes into you. When you speak the word of God, you can take it in as well because you can hear it. It comes out of your mouth. It touches you. And that can be the first step to retaining it. Okay, let's keep going. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Hebrews 11.3. Another one. Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created, and they have their being. Revelation 4.11. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? You can use that. By faith we understand. And that faith from Hebrews enables us to say to God, you are worthy. You are worthy, O oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Some of you may have taken notice of the cover story on Newsweek magazine. It's been widely publicized in the last few days. It's an article by, I think, Dr. Eben Alexander. He's a neurosurgeon uh, from Virginia. He's a Harvard graduate and professor, among other things. And he had, if I remember correctly, he had some unusual form of meningitis that put him into a coma. And when he was in that coma, there were countless tests that were done that verified that his higher brain functions had shut down. And so all those things associated with being a human at the physical level in the brain were not working. The bacteria that was, that was attacking him and had infected him had actually shut down the, the higher functions of his brain. And during that time, while he was in a coma, he had an experience of the spiritual world. Now, I, for one, don't think he went to heaven. And I'll tell you why. He didn't die. That's number one. Number two, uh, we don't... Well, I'll get into that later. I'll save number two, three, four, and five for later. But he came to a conclusion. He said, as a scientist, I came to understand something empirically. And that is that there is a soul and mind that exists apart from our physicality. Because his brain functions weren't working. And yet... He was alert, aware, mindful. And he had certain kinds of spiritual experiences. I'm not going to evaluate all of them, but I would encourage you, don't take them on face value. Everybody writes a book about heaven, etc. Uh, discount them. Read this book. 
the Torah, the Tanakh, Habrita Harasha. That's where you'll get the real picture. However, many people do enter into, a, into spiritual dimensions they did not know existed. Don't confuse that with heaven. That's a little bit different. However, he came to this conclusion that there is a spiritual reality in a soul that exists apart from the functions of our, of our physicality. And that was, to him, scientific proof. And so he's begun to speak about it. He wrote about it. It's, it's interesting. At, at some other date, I don't know when, I'll give you a critique of everything that's in that article and how not to get sucked into spiritual testimonies that are at odds with the scriptures. And don't elevate them to the level of the scriptures. The scriptures stand as the inspired word of God. They're authoritative, they're definitive, and people may have spiritual experiences, even valid spiritual experiences that are, that are not to be confused or equated with the truth of the scripture. The scripture is not only breathed by God, it has been carefully watched over by the community of faith over centuries in order to protect it. And those who write from their personal experience are not under such scrutiny. So I'm just saying that so that you can prepare yourself and think about these things in a greater way. When we declare, as we did Revelation 4.11, God, you're worthy. You created all things, and by your will they, are, they were created and they have their being. We are saying something else. We're saying, I have my being because of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the one who made me, and you are still alive. You didn't just set things in motion some eons ago, and then you disappeared. You are here. You are present. You are my Lord, and that's why I worship you. Now let's keep going. Nehemiah 9.6. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens. And all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, you give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Nehemiah 9 6. Here's another Psalm 89 11. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Psalm 89, 11. Can you handle a few more? Are you good? We're just going to use the next five minutes to keep going. Psalm 102, verse 25. In the beginning... You laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Psalm 102, verse 25. Isaiah 45, verse 18. This is what the Lord says He who created the heavens. He is God. He, is God. he who fashioned and made the earth. He founded it. He did not create it to be empty. He, 
but he formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Isaiah 45, verse 18. This will help you understand the purpose of the universe. Scientists may be able to tell you something about the physicality of the universe, but that does not communicate the purpose of the universe and the purpose of our earth. Why was earth created? So that it could be inhabited. Because God wanted to have fellowship with people. Now, you and I need to grasp this. God wants to be in fellowship with us. That's why he made the earth. He did not make the earth just to get us to heaven. He made the earth so that now with our physical bodies and our spirits and our souls, we can be in fellowship with him. We can worship him. The earth was not made just for heaven. Do you hear me? The earth was made for purpose. If you lose sight of that, you will think the only thing that matters is after you're dead and gone. And you'll lose sight of the value of this creation in God's eyes. Though this creation is broken and bent and under great stress, you and I have a purpose here. And our purpose is to be in fellowship with God and with each other and then to bring the goodness of his kingdom in the sphere around us. Through our life of faith, we release God's purposes. He's looking for people who will agree with him about what he wants to do. Let's keep going. Jeremiah 10, 12. God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Jeremiah 10, 12. The next two are short and sweet. Psalm 33, 9. For Adonai spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Psalm 33, verse 9. Don't you like that one? Adonai spoke, and it came to be. John 1, 3. Through Yeshua, Through Yeshua. All, things all things were made. Without him, Without him. Nothing, was made nothing was made that has been made. Been John, 1, 3. John 1, 3. These last two are great. Romans 4:17. 4, 17. As it is written about Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham is our father. In the sight of God. In whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead. And calls things that are not. As though they were. Romans 4.17. I love that. The connection between Abraham and his faith and the reality of God and God's faith. You know how God shows his faith? He speaks, and things come to pass. In Genesis 1, it says, And God said, Yahi or, Vayahi or. 
You know what that means? And God said, light be, and light was. When God wanted light, he didn't twiddle his thumbs. He didn't sit around in the darkness and curse the darkness, and he didn't say, what am I going to do until the JEA gets established in Jacksonville? Or what if, do I have to wait until Edison comes? Or Ben Franklin and his kite, what are we going to do? You know what he did? He spoke. He spoke it into existence. He said, light be. And as Casuto says, he was tranquil. It wasn't hard for him. He said, Vayahi. He said, Yahi or light be. And light was. There are things in your life that don't yet exist. They're insufficient or they haven't come into being yet. And what you need is to hear God's position on those things. And if God says to those things, come into existence, they will. You may need to agree, however, because there are certain things that require that our faith be internalized and and then expressed back to God. There are times when God wants to do something and he's looking for someone who agrees with him who will not try to figure it out, but they'll receive instruction from the Lord and they'll just agree. There may be a difficulty, an insufficiency, a challenge, and you can't solve it, but God can speak the solution into existence. And when you have fellowship with our God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who can do anything, the one who calls things that are not as though they were, then you will be able to enter into the realm of faith that God has for you. Faith is not something you muster. It's not something that you try to generate. Faith is your response to God's word. Faith is agreeing with God. Faith is saying what God says. It's seeing what God sees. It's hearing what God is saying, and it's doing what you see him doing. If God says, wait, you say, yes, sir. How long? If he says, jump, you say, how high, right? It's not arguing with him, and it's not trying to make him do things on your timetable in your way. Faith is different from that. That's why we can't call things in the same way that he can call things. But we can call things when he says, call them. That's why Yeshua taught us how to pray. And he said, if you'll abide in me, and if my word abides in you, then you can ask what you desire. Because you see, then the desires change, and what's active in you changes. You can ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. And by this, this abiding in God's word and in Yeshua, this asking and this receiving by this, you will bear fruit that glorifies the Father. And then the last one, Hebrews 1, 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed, 
of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Hebrews 1, verse 2. I want to encourage you, start every day with the scriptures. Take one step. Take a scripture, read it out loud. Don't just read it with your eyes. The eyes are good, but they're not enough. Read it also out loud. Speak it, hear it, listen to it, and agree with it. If something rises up in you that disagrees with the scriptures, then disagree with that part of you. And bring that part of you under God's authority. And just say, you know what? That was, a, that was wrong. And let God's word be preeminent. And then pray the scriptures. Like when we came to Revelation 4.11, some of you actually started entering into worship. You were actually worshiping God because you were using the scriptures for the very purpose. You who created us, you're worthy. We honor you. I want to encourage you to take a step this, this year. I'll tell you how I'm doing it. My wife, Sandy, has been preparing a, a daily devotion that's, that's really very simple, a picture, a scripture, and a prayer. And we've been putting it on our Facebook pages and online in different ways. And i tell you how I'm using it. Every morning before breakfast, I pull up the morning's uh, devotion and then I read the scripture out loud to her, even though she's the one who did it. And I start with the citation, Deuteronomy or Genesis or Revelation, whatever it is. I read that. And then I read those scriptures out loud to her. And then I read the prayer out loud. Now, this is the prayer she prayed when she was studying the scriptures. But I read it and I pray it for myself. And then I conclude with the very simple, amen. And I'm trying to be in that habit for this year, to start every day with a scripture, every day with a prayer, and every day together praying with my wife. You might have the opportunity to pray alone or with somebody else. But I want to encourage you, take a step up. Take a step forward and do something small but significant that allows you to hide the word of God in your heart, to speak the word of God, to let it empower you, and then to pray the word of God. If you will do that, this year will be a different year for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the joy that you give us, and we rejoice today in Torah. We find joy in your living word. We honor you for your scriptures. We thank you that they have been preserved and cared for and protected and that they have been handed down to us, the faithful word of God. Thank you for your truth that empowers us and equips us for righteousness and fellowship with you. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you rise? How many of you enjoyed speaking the word of God today? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.